Good morning, E3. I'm Pastor Lori. Thanks for joining us this morning. Happy last day of January. Can you believe that we are already at the end of the first month of the new year? This, it seems to be just racing by. I'm not going to say whether I think that that's a good thing or not, but it is what it is. To, so, so there you go. Uh, we kicked off a new series last week. I hope you were here for that. But if not, no worries. You can always catch up on any of our past messages just simply by going to our website. But the new series that we started last week is called Rhythms of the Garden. And through this series, we're going to dig into Genesis chapters one and two primarily to learn more about God's creation and his design for creation, his original intent for us. And last week, Pastor Mike started us off by showing us how we were created in the very image of God and how that was God's actual vision for humanity. We were not simply created to just get work, the work done of tending the land and caring for the other things that God had created. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. His vision for humanity was to help make the world that he created flourish. Pastor Mike reminded us that we weren't just created to live in the world, but that we were given the privilege of taking part in the good work that God had started with creation. And before we jump into the verses from chapter two that we heard read just a little bit earlier, I'd like for us to take a quick look at some of the verses that Mike talked about last week, actually. Let's go back to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 26 and we're gonna spend just a couple minutes in, a, in those couple of verses. Genesis 1, 26 through 31 says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Okay, so we talked about these verses last week and we, and we talked about how they teach us God's design or his vision for humankind was that original vision was for us to be co-creators with him, to partner with him in creation. He gave humans the authority to rule over the land Pastor Mike talked about to subdue it, to subdue, subdue it, the land the way that you would subdue and tend or care for your own garden. And as humans created in the very likeness of God, we should reign over the land, this text says, like a king reigns over a kingdom. That's the language that's used here. Protecting it, caring for it, producing fruit, filling it and making decisions for the good of the living things found in this creation. 
God had created everything else, all of the living creatures, the land and sea. And when he was done creating all of those things, he called it good. We read that earlier in in Genesis chapter one in the previous verses. And when he created humans, he gave them the authority as his very image bearers. And then he declares that that is very good. Now, I want us to notice the slight difference between how he described the rest of the world that he created and the humans that he created. Because I think it's worth noting. And because I think it sets up really well what we're going to be talking about today. God creates humankind and he sets it apart as different. He sets it apart to rule over all of the other things that God has created. And this this speaks to a different relationship that God has with humankind. All creation displays God's design and his power and his goodness, but it is only human beings who are said to be made in the very image of God. God creates the first human for relationship with him, to commune commune with him. He invites us to partner with him in his creation. He says, here is everything that I have created. Have it, rule over it. Name each of the animals that I have created. And here God is furthering this partnership invitation with man. This is the invitation that he gives to Adam, giving him the authority to give identity to the other things that God has created. God is trusting man with all of the other living creatures that he has created. Humankind is called very good because we were created in his image not the birds or the fish or the sea or the land. We are the ones created in his image. We are the ones who were created for a partnership with him, to co-create, to work with him and on his behalf. We were created for a relationship with God and he called that very good. Now let's, look more at this relationship by moving to the verses from chapter two that we heard read just a little bit ago, which is another count of the creation story, another account. Let's pick up in the second part of verse four, and I'll read this for us. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Okay, so let's start uh, unpacking this by just looking even at the very first sentence. Now, I think we can all probably agree that when the word says that nothing was growing because God had not yet sent rain and there were no people to cultivate the soil, that this is not implying that God needed humans to do the work of the cultivating. As if after all that God had created, he just wasn't capable of maintaining or growing the plants and the grains that he had made. He's God. 
He didn't need Adam to do the work he was calling him to do. He invited Adam into this co-creation with him, this co-existence, this this partnership. God was choosing to share the creative responsibility with us. And like we said a few minutes ago, humans were given the privilege of co-creating with God. And this invitation to partner with him is another indication of what God's vision was for relationship, the, the relationship that he wants to have with humankind, with us. God creates Adam to partner with him. He chooses us of all of the things that he's created and he sets us apart. He doesn't bring the creation story to a close until he created man to work with him. And when he's done creating man, he says, not only is this good, but this is very good. Now my vision is complete. This this reveals to us that that this was God's greatest desire and the original design for us was relationship with him. We can see in other places in scripture where it speaks about this vision. Let's look at Psalm 8 for just a moment. I'll pick up in verse four. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. Like Mike said last week, we have a tendency when we're reading the beginning of God's story in Genesis to focus our attention only on God's relationship with humankind after the fall. That we have a tendency to just put our attention there. But the first two chapters of the Bible reveal his original desire for us before the fall. And that's important because The whole rest of the Bible is the narrative of his rescue to restore us back to that relationship. So it's important for us to understand what his original vision for us was, that we were perfectly created in God's image, designed to reflect his image in all that we do and say. So let's go back to our verses in chapter two. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust. He's creating him from nothing special, from the dust of the ground. The word formed here suggests a careful and intricate work of an artist making an exquisite art piece, like Mike talked about last week. Carefully formed, but formed from nothing. The first human body was just a lifeless shell of a being at that point. And then, and then God gave that body life by breathing the very breath of life into Adam. These words describe a distinct intimacy between God and man that is not shared by any other living creatures that God created. The other living creatures are described as being just created And I don't mean to sound like that's not significant. It is, it certainly is. But God formed man 
in his image, carefully, thoughtfully, and then breathed the very breath of life into this new creation. And the word said, says that that's the moment when the man became a living person. This level of care should tell us something about the relationship that God wanted to exist between him and humankind. After Adam is brought to life, God places him in the Garden of Eden. And at that point, God in, in the text declares that something is actually not good. Now, up to this point, he has been nothing but pleased with his creation. But here he says, it is not good for Adam to not have a human partner, to not have relationship with another human. In God's loving kindness and intimate care for Adam, he wants Adam to have another being that is like Adam, but one who is also an image bearer of God. So God creates Eve from Adam. And through this, we can see that in the garden, God's design was for us to have relationship and partnership with others along with him, but not instead of him. There would be nothing now standing at this time, standing between the relationship that both Adam and Eve were intended to have with God. That was the true beauty of the Garden of Eden. It was God's presence with humans, a partnership with each other and also with God in caring for all of creation. God's intention was for man and woman to live in his presence always, to live in partnership with each other and with him. He gives Eve to Adam and he also gives Adam to Eve and tells them, partner with each other and me in reigning over this land and in caring for and protecting my creation. And most importantly, dwell in this garden with me. He is saying to Adam and Eve, make this place your home. Be here with me. God's desire for them in the garden was for them to live in the very presence of God, to be in constant relationship with him. His ask of us was simply to honor him in that relationship, to continue to reflect his glory. His ask of us was to continue to bear his image and to dwell with him. And after the fall, we see in the next chapter that we can read about in the next chapter of Genesis, and the part that we often focus our attention on, the greatest consequence after the fall wasn't pain during childbirth or really crummy crops that man would have to struggle to grow. No, the greatest consequence of the fall was separation from the very presence of God, the breaking of the relationship that we were created to have. And the rest of God's story, I said, I mentioned, is, is the narrative about him restoring us back to that relationship, the one that is revealed to us in the garden. That's his desire for us. 
God's restoration plan for us to be reconnected to him happens through the work of Jesus on the cross. God had an original vision for humans and it was very good. And we went outside that vision, which removed us from the ideal of the garden. But God so longed for the connection with us again that he provided a way. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that that relationship with him could be restored for us. And the plan wasn't just so that one day in the future, we could again live in this garden. It was so that we could experience that unbroken relationship with him and live in his kingdom now, this side of Eden. But I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that at least some of us feel a little far from Eden when we look at some of our relationships whether we're experiencing broken relationships in our personal lives with a family member or a friend, or if we're experiencing them in our jobs, in our workplaces, or in our schools. There is definitely no shortage of brokenness here and now. We feel it in our own lives and we can see it throughout all of God's people. I mean, Seriously, you don't have to go any further than looking at your own social media feed or any, any news outlet to see how far people can get from God's design for relationships, his original vision for relationships. But when we look back to the very beginning of creation, we learn that the suffering and this brokenness is not what God desired for us. And he's provided a way for our connection to be restored to him. And that gives us the hope, but it also gives us the responsibility to restore our relationships with the Adams and the Eves in our lives. As humans who are created in the very likeness of God, meaning we're not God, but we are a reflection of God, bearing the very image of God, we are created for relationship with him and with the rest of his creation, including and especially other humans. And we know that we are sometimes a poor reflection of this image of God and that we sometimes forget about this partnership that God has invited us into with him and with others. So we understand that separation. What are we supposed to do? How can we make Eden relationships in our lives here and now? Well, it probably needs to start with reminding ourselves of what God originally intended for us, how he intended for us to dwell with him, with his very presence. And while that original design was interfered with and broken, it has now been restored. And so our brokenness can no longer be an excuse for poor relationships with him. And it's no excuse for poor relationships with each other either. We should act as if we have the same relationship of love and partnership as man had in the garden. Mike reminded us last week that the garden of Eden 
is a symbol of what God intended for creation, a space that is defined by right relationships, creative work, and divine rest. The Garden of Eden is the representation of the ideal, the vision that God had for us, and our whole life's journey should be to get back to that Eden life, to living that Eden life. So what does that look like for you and for me? Well, maybe it's making a long overdue phone call or writing a long overdue note to someone who you are in a broken, in a relationship that is broken. Maybe it's beginning to earnestly pray for a relationship that is in a broken state. Asking God while you're praying to reveal to you any action that he wants you to take, even if it's something that you'd rather not do. So we're gonna wrap up a few minutes early because I want us to do something together over the next few minutes. As we close, I'd like for us to take the next few minutes and we're gonna listen to a song that speaks about what God can do with our brokenness. I wanna challenge you while you're listening to this song to think about any relationship in your life that doesn't reflect God's design for a relationship. And as you think about any relationship that exists like that, I want you to write down the name or names of those people. And as you go through this week, I want you to spend time praying specifically on behalf of that person or that relationship. I want you to pray and and ask God to reveal if there is any action that he wants you to take in that relationship. It might be contact with the person. It might be forgiving a person, whether they have asked for the forgiveness or not. And it might just simply be, and I say simply, it's not simple, but it might just be releasing the pain that you feel when you think about that person. Releasing it, giving it to God. And then the other thing that I want you to do is to honestly reflect on the status of your current relationship with God to see if that's where you think it should be. Or maybe ask yourself if it's where you think God would like it to be. Does it reflect the relationship that is described in the Garden of Eden? Do you feel that unbroken relationship with him? Do you feel like you are experiencing his very presence in your life? If not, pray. Ask God to reveal to you what is standing in the way. Maybe it's your busy schedule. Maybe it's trauma, maybe it's grief, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's just our fear of opening ourselves up and being vulnerable. Pray, whatever it is, pray that God would reveal it to you and then ask him to help. God has made a way for us to have the relationship with him that he designed for us that we read about in the garden. He's made a way for us to have relationships with him and with others that reflect that original design. 
that's, that's what he wants for us. That's what he wants with us. And that's what he has offered to each of us here and now.